And this was about a lady that we knew from more than 20 years ago when she was studying at the seminary in Prague. And so through different contacts, we were contacted, can you take care of this this family? They are coming to Prague uh, next week or so. And within an hour or two, we got this uh, um, inquiry from the church in, in Nebraska who, who asked us, you know, you have this amount of money for the Ukrainians. Can we help with that? So those things, they came together and we were able to settle them in a, in a place and to make sure that they had a good start. Welcome to Mission in Five, the podcast where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I am your host, Greg Manuel. And every week through my work with the Churches Helping Churches, ABC Nebraska, my ongoing writing projects and serving as a faculty mentor to seminary students, I get to partner with Christian leaders, entrepreneurs, missionaries, and ministers of the church in a variety of contexts. I am always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches network together for mission and ministry. So that's the purpose of this podcast, to share the stories of people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. This season, we are meeting with our friends and global servants with international ministries. My hope is that we learn how we can partner with them by supporting their ministry efforts around the world, but also how we can utilize their gifts and talents as partners in our local churches as well. So be sure to check out the show notes for links to their ministry and how you can contact them. Well, my guests today are Nora and Peter Cockman, who have a mission to share the love of Jesus and glorify God through networking with Baptist churches in Europe and the Middle East developing mission awareness and coordinating the skills and interests of short-term mission volunteers with the need of the 50-plus Baptist conventions across Europe. Using their ability to communicate in five languages, English, German, Spanish, Dutch, and Czech, they partner with the European Baptist Federation and churches in the Middle East. With only 2.5% of evangelical Christians, Europe is a priority mission field. They have recently spent time in the Balkan states, bringing aid and Christian fellowship to Croatian earthquake victims, and they are also training churches in the region to be Christian peacemakers in an area marked by historic ethnic and political divisions. Peter and Nora, thank you so much for being here today. I'm glad you're joining us on Mission in 5, the podcast. We are very happy to be here with you. Yes. Well, as... Frequent listeners to the show know we're going to ask you five basic questions to learn more about who you are and where you see God working in your community. So we always like to begin just by asking you, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian um, family, but I wasn't so much um, aware of a decision having to be made uh, for Jesus or that you could have a personal relationship with God. I just always went to church on Sundays and was interested in theological questions and, and religion, but I never made it so personal until uh, once I had, was at a uh, conference and uh, there I saw that people were li- really living every day with um, with Jesus in a very personal way. And I asked God if that would also be possible for me and he answered that prayer. And uh, from that day on, um, I felt the call to, um, to ministry. And um, uh, I had already... Hmm. I already had an um, an application with uh, with the army, and I thought, uh, well, how can a Christian be a soldier? Yeah. But uh, I prayed about it, and I felt that the Lord was leading me into there. 
And um, so I was in a four-year contract in the army. And in hindsight, I can see this was really good because uh, God prevented me from getting into all kinds of extremes. I was just uh, grounded for four years in one place, or not really one place, but uh, you kind of move around a bit. But um, at least, uh, um, yeah, I could I could settle, um, uh, let's say, theologically and, and be more informed in many ways and prepare for the mission field. I wanted to go straight to the mission field after the army. But at the point that I was already at an mission agency for going to Africa, I felt that the Lord was uh, uh, pushing me pretty strongly to go to uh, theological education first. So I went to Bible college. And um, um, where did there you go I, to Bible college at? Uh, this was in uh, uh, Belgium, mm -hmm. in uh, Haverle, uh, near Leuven, near Brussels. And um, uh, yeah, it was, an, uh, it was a good place because they, they used to be um, yeah, pretty much denominational in early days, but they had opened up to more general, general Christian uh, faith and, and Bible. So they were more open for, for questions and an open, open approach to scripture. So I'm pretty happy about that. In hindsight, I didn't know that ahead of time, of course, yeah. but I thank the Lord that he landed me there. Very cool. And uh, then I saw that uh, in Bible school, actually, you know, you're kind of a, uh, uh, you go with the streams of theology of what they are teaching. And I felt that uh, rather than being in a stream like that, I would like to uh, to be able to make up my own mind rather than to listen to what others uh, think about, uh, right. about God. And, and I felt the need for going to seminary. So I took a couple of years to decide on which kind of seminary, visited several seminaries, talked with professors, ended up at Fuller Seminary. Okay. In Pasadena, and uh, partly because of an invitation from a uh, professor there, and partly because uh, I figured that if I want to do missions, almost everywhere where they had a good mission department, the professors had studied at Fuller. So I thought, why taking a second hand? I better take a first hand. Right. And, uh, and go cool. to Fuller. So there I got to know Nora, but maybe Nora can tell her story. Uh, yeah. Also. Tell us a little about who you are, Nora. Well, I was born in Ensenada, in Baja, in Mexico. Fine. And um, at a very early age, I accept Christ as my Savior. And uh, then also, I was very young when I was baptized. Uh, I was 10 years old when I got baptized. And since then, I started to teach Sunday school. And, you know, in that, in that uh, um, mission point, there were not so many... Uh, people who have experience so they let you do everything so I was able to start to teach at very early age I was uh, leading the the uh, the service I was doing something like a secretary so I was doing a lot of things during my teenagers youth right. uh, and then I I went um, to university I graduated as a, a CPA and uh, Ministry was not really in my radar at that point. I didn't want to be in ministry yeah. <laughs> because I was thinking that is kind of a strange, you know. And <laughs> um, but what it happened is that, uh, of course, God was calling me, and then I was thinking, okay, then I should um, prepare, you know. But finally, I surrendered to God and I say, okay, I'm willing. Yeah. Uh, what do you want that I do? Uh, and then I was thinking, well, I better get some preparation. 
for this and God opened the doors for me to go to, to Fuller Theological Seminary where I got a Master in Divinity there. And it was uh, uh, Peter uh, that asked me to start to do carpool to, to seminary. And until now, we're doing carpool. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago is that? How long have you been carpooling together? Uh, about 25 years. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Very good. So um, you guys grew up on different continents. You met in Fuller. Um, and and how did you go from being MDiv students to international ministries um, so that now that you guys live in Prague in the Czech Republic? So how do you get from Fuller to working with international ministries and now living in Prague? Yeah, it's um, maybe a little bit uh more simple or, or logic than than it uh, looks from the outside, but uh, the uh, you know before the borders were so strong in uh, between Mexico and uh, the United States, you had just the um, Hispanic Caucus, which was both on the north and the southern side of the border, which was mm -hmm. in Baja California and in California, and they were part of the American Baptist churches. Okay. So Nora just grew up with American Baptist churches, and she didn't know anything else but American Baptist churches from sure. from childhood on. Yeah. And was also with American Baptist Churches when she went to uh, Fuller, and she had her application with uh, for missions with American Baptist Churches. So when we got to know each other, we just uh, updated uh, the application, and then uh, yeah, through different visits and personal contacts, uh, both uh, in in California and in uh, with the, the headquarters of International Ministries, um, yeah, the, we got into through the process of uh, becoming missionaries. Now, I, I was preparing to be a missionary in Africa. I had been a few times in Africa. I was directing my studies to missions in Africa, and Nora was preparing for a missionary in uh, Latin America. So when international ministries called us that they found the perfect match for us, <laughs> we thought, what is it going to be? Is it going to be Africa or um, or Europe? No, and, or Latin America. Or, sorry, uh, Africa or Latin America. And then the answer came, it will be Europe. <laughs> so... So we said, well, let's pray about it. And then we prayed about it. And a few weeks later, we said, um, yes, we feel the Lord is directing us this way for the moment. And that is still the case. Yes, I, re I received the call to ministry in a short-term missions to the southern states of Mexico. That was the first time that God was calling me to uh, to, to ministry, to, to missions. And that I see the importance of short-term missions because, yeah. you know, you see other things in a different context. And um, it, then when after seminary and that when we have this application and the, when they say Europe, that was the perfect match for us. Until that moment, Euro, I didn't see Europe as a mission field. You know, for me, it was like, that is vacation destination. <laughs> but uh, after being here for... Uh, many years more than 20 years 22 years uh i uh, you know it's a big need here in, in europe only 2.5 percent evangelical christians and it is a it's a big uh, mission field yeah yeah it's so interesting how uh sometimes we feel called to something specific because we're just not aware of other opportunities um, and, and things. I know when I was younger and I was going to college and, and seminary, I thought I was going to be like a, a youth pastor and associate pastor for, for a long, long time. I didn't even know about region ministries. And so the things I knew about, 
I said, well, I don't want to be a senior pastor because I didn't think I was good enough to do that. And then I didn't want to be a military chaplain because I had experienced that growing up. But uh, so I, it just eliminated all these things I knew about. But then um, when I was first pastoring local churches, I, I learned about region work and kind of just opened itself up to me as an opportunity. And other people said, this is a good match for you. And so I'm kind of identifying with your story is that I felt called into ministry kind of broadly, um, but it got specific into region work because other people saw that in me. And it's kind of fun that you guys want to be missionaries in different parts of the world, but somebody else said, we see gifts in you that would be really good in this other location. And uh, that's that's kind of a cool cool way to get there. So you've been there, you said about 22 years and then um, have you've right. done so many different things over, over those two decades, I'm sure. Um, but just tell us a little bit about your ministry. What is, what is happening there now? And, and, and kind of what's your like official, like day-to-day kind of jobs like, but within that, tell us a little bit of like where you see God moving. What, where are the exciting things happening that the spirit is on the move? Even if they're challenging, you know, the spirit's working here, even though it's hard. Yeah. Um, well, of course, uh, I think, um, uh, Nobody um, is ignorant of the fact that uh, two years ago the whole world uh, came to a standstill, yeah. and uh, everything everybody was doing uh, started um, need to be seen from a different light. And for us too, uh, we were having uh, volunteers here, and one of them we even had to evacuate. Uh, I think it was March or April uh, 2000 uh, through a specially embassy arranged uh, ex- um, repatriation flight. Uh, because of the COVID, so um, yeah, that that uh, international and traveling aspect of our missionary of our mission was um, a little bit on a lower lower key because of that. Uh, but um, um, yeah, we can still do a lot of things uh, locally here. So we are both involved in different local ministries uh, as long as this this situation uh, was lasting, and. Um, uh, also, we since a little over a year, we are picking up again with our networking, with the Conference European Baptist Federation, and with visiting with our partners. So, in about two or three weeks, we have a uh, big um, uh, council from the European Baptist Federation with about 50 Baptist conventions, where all the leadership from the different conventions comes together uh, to decide about business. And that's usually our place for connections and meeting and for um, contacting. Also. We have our first uh, uh, inquiries again um, for the volunteer service. We just a few days ago, we got um, uh, someone asking about working with a pretty large church, almost a mega church for uh, work with um, the Ukrainian refugees. Mm-hmm. And yesterday we were in a, in a virtual prayer meeting with um, uh, Baptist leaders all over Europe, including a big report from the uh, leaders in uh, Belarus. And we got a report two days ago from Moldova, uh, where we have also been. But Moldova uh, um, um, relatively got the most refugees, according to number of inhabitants or the population and the numbers of border crossings from the Ukraine. They have the largest number and they are one of the poorest countries in Europe. Mm. They are not in the European Union and they are uh, with their income uh, very, very low. But still, they have um, uh, maybe on a two and a half million population they have half a million um uh, ukrainian uh, taking care of them 
Wow. So we are looking forward to to trying to find a place for in, in this area uh, to see see how they can help. And then, of course, we talk with the locals, we talk with the church if this is what they env envision uh, uh, for their ministry. So those are the things that we do day to day. Maybe Nora can tell a little more also from things that she does and was doing here. Yeah, uh, one of the things that I'm very passionate about it is that I teach uh, a Spanish as a outreach to, to university students here in Prague. Uh, uh, well, I lead the program, uh, so we have volunteers that uh, that they teach English and uh, I teach Spanish, and I'm the director. And uh, I'm. Um, that is something that I really enjoy because for many of the students, it's the very first time they touch with a Christian person mm. uh, because atheism is very high here in the Czech Republic. For some, some statistics say that it's 75%, so it's, it's very high. And uh, so what what we do is some kind of like a like of pre-evangelism <laughs> yeah. so that they get to know a Christian, that they see that we are normal and that they get to start to get open to to, to their needs. And then uh, I pray for them. And it's very interesting in the way that God is putting uh, the the opportunities to share with them with when normally they, they will be very close uh, to the gospel. For instance, I also teach... Uh, um, a Spanish uh, Bible study as uh, learning the language, but some they are very afraid of the Bible, yeah. and and they they don't have an idea, you know, what it is about, and they they their conception about Christianity is that is uh, is for people that is ignorant or that is very violent for all the uh, crusades and wars mm. and all, all that contest and. So to have people that when when they are in need, I tell to them, well, I don't know how to help you, but I can pray for you. Will you allow me to pray? They all the time they say yes. And then after the prayer, they are just amazed, you know, it's like, like and, and, and that touched also my heart because nobody had ever prayed for them. Wow. And so that even when I write down the, the prayer, you know, because they want to to, to pray to. Yeah. Uh, and so that is something that I really enjoy uh, doing. And uh, other thing that happened uh, um, in the last months, it is that the refugees that arrived from Ukraine. Um, so suddenly we started to have a lot of refugees arriving by the main train station in, in, in Prague. And uh, so we were uh, be going there first to provide um, sandwiches and drinks and, you know, used to the first station. But then so when they were coming so many, then the city say, no, we don't want a Christian suit. We're going to do this as, a, as, as part of the city. And, uh, you know, the, the official government. Yeah. The local government will take care of that, but they need the volunteers. So I continue to stay there as as uh, uh, helping, but now as a part of the city. And um, uh, they were very good since that there were people volunteers receiving there in the in the train station. We were giving the food, and then they were taken to the. Uh, 
a conference center where they will have the, their visa, the public transportation for free, the medical insurance for free. So they will register and everything will be doing uh, fast. For, for us uh, as volunteers, what is very different from other refugees is that when when we have been involved in, in other ministries from refugees, you can of have in your mind like this is the kind of refugees. They look like all the same and this but here it was it was coming all kind of people. And that was like sometimes you know you, you see these ladies and high heels and and very makeup and nice clothes, but they are hungry. Right. You know, they have nothing to, and they have, uh, and, and others, uh, they they came with their with their pets. So we, we also have food for, for dogs and for cats. Uh, other, I also, other, other thing that happened, it is that because everything had to function with rules, so the, we couldn't receive donations straight to us to give the, the, the food, but it to, it have to be to the city. The city give it to the firefighters, and the firefighters give it to us. And sometimes we didn't know how many people were coming in a train. It could be ten persons, but it could be hundred persons. Sometimes we were running out of food. Like yeah. is there were a, a lot. And then I remember first time that I had to say to people that I didn't have food. Like it was this uh, a, a small boy, like a little. Uh, he was like seven, eight years old, and he asked me, do you have bread? And I say, I don't have. And then an old man came, very fragile, missing some tools, and he asked me, do you have uh, like a sandwich? And I say, I don't have. And for me, it was, um, it was difficult because I have the means. I, I could go to the supermarket and buy a sandwich and give it to uh, to them but i needed to follow all the rules from the city yeah i need to receive it from the firefighters because otherwise the uh, they will close us we don't have the rules and the gloves and all the the requirements and i was telling to one of my my colleagues how wounded i was feeling because i was when i was arriving home i was crying because yeah. i couldn't food to the people who needed it and then she told me, you know, Nora, there are so many uh, people that that work like missionaries or NGOs that they need to follow rules and they have these moral uh, wounds. Yeah. And for me, that she said that it just it just did something like a click that I was understanding what was happened to me. Yeah. And then I was able to minister to the other volunteers. Oh. And to tell them, well, so it is amazing how God works that only we were not able to, to be there for the refugees, but also for the other uh, um, uh, volunteers through the the situations that we were passing through. Wow. What an active ministry. I mean, dealing with college students who are hearing the gospel for the first time and and learning new languages to uniting with Baptist churches and federation across Europe and welcoming in refugees. You guys are doing so much work. Um, do, do you know what's next for you then? I mean, do you have any plans on the horizon or because of the 
shifting going on in Europe because of the war in Ukraine is every day just completely different. And um, you, you don't really know what tomorrow is going to bring. So I'll just put that out there. You, do, do you know what's next? Is there anything coming up for you personally or in your ministry context that, that you can prepare for? Yeah, that's a good question. And normally we would feel uh, what you're uh, saying here, but at the moment it seems a little bit uh, less difficult for us because uh, as American countries, we are on a five-year uh, cycle. And after four years overseas, we will be one year in the U.S. And our one year is uh, coming up in a few months. So what is next for us is uh, prepare for that year. We have uh, even myself, I go tomorrow for medical tests and for other things that we need to do for this uh, this process. So so that's what we are working at uh, right now. And then we'll be in the U.S. Uh, from later this year uh, for 12 months. And we hope to be able to um, also uh, come to... Uh, Nebraska again, yeah, um, of our old friends and make new friends, and um, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And yeah. Nora had uh, just this afternoon. She had someone. She was in touch with someone who has uh, taken over this uh, ministry that she was busy with. So she can, still has a couple of months to uh, work her in or to help this this person to uh, be aware of all the. Dynamics. It was a teacher, a volunteer in the program, and is going to be director now. So you know, it's, it's good. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, you guys are going to be here in 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 2023 then um, throughout the United States, um, and and you said that you want to make yourselves available to visit churches while you're on furlough here for the year. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, how would yeah. our churches get in contact with you then to welcome you back to Nebraska and maybe uh, offer you the opportunity to share some of your ministry stories and and raise resources for for going back? Yeah, well, uh, of course, through international ministries, uh, you can always request our visits. And uh, normally, the, at least the old rules, I don't know if they change by now, but uh, is if we have three invitations, international ministries takes care of the flight and we need to take care of the uh, local or the invited churches need to take care of the accommodation transportation locally, okay. and we will be in uh, the Los Angeles area for twelve months. Okay, starting sometime we anticipate maybe November December, but you could almost say like the full year of twenty uh, twenty three. Yeah, more or less. So. Um, um, and then we, we have several contacts in, in uh, Nebraska, which we are happy about and which we want to continue. And also, that's maybe nice to know that uh, when when we got refugees here a few months ago, um, and when this whole um, uh, <clears throat> issue started with Russia and the Ukraine, there was one church in Nebraska that uh, did a uh, fundraising uh, thing, and they contacted us because we had been there in the past. And at the same time as that they contacted us, we had received a request to take care of a pastor's family that came out of the Dnipro, which is very center in the Ukraine, kind of on the east side of the center in the Ukraine, Dnipro. And this was about a lady that we knew from more than 20 years ago when she was studying at the seminary in Prague. And we were having an office at the seminary there. Yeah, and so through different contacts, we were contacted. Can you take care of this this family? They are coming to Prague uh, next week or so, and within an hour or two, we got this uh, um, inquiry from the church in in Nebraska, who who asked us, you know, we have this amount of money for the Ukrainians. Can we help with that? 
So those things, they came together and we were able to settle them in a, in a place and to make sure that they had a good start uh, here in Prague. And we were able to send with the husband, because it was the husband and three kids and a, and a lady. Uh, with him, we were able to send back medical um, uh, things for the front lines. Yeah. So he took uh, a couple of boxes with medical uh, things and we made a list of that and he got through the Very cool. customs every day and uh, it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing because we were we only have a very short window when they will go, when the pastor will go back to the Ukraine and we wanted to send medical uh, items but we didn't have the resources and then they just like one or two hours later the email from Nebraska uh, right. entered and we were like praise God it is like the uh, it, the amazing amazing time and also um, after six months of the war many of the European countries are getting very tired, you know, working with refugees. And this will be, um, you know, is there is some teams from Nebraska that can come and, and help. Yeah. And there are some areas uh, of, of countries, like Peter was mentioning, uh, maybe Belarus, Moldova, that they are very poor and they cannot be, you know, continue to give more and more that they, they are not receiving too much uh, help. So at, at this moment, in the beginning, when the war just started, many people were ready to 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 help. But right now, people people is getting very tired, and yeah. now they they need help from from the outside. And we are very much looking forward to to visit the churches again in Nebraska. We have a very fond memories when we were visiting, and the good care that they took for. Uh, for us, they spoil us when we were there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope we can spoil you again uh, in 2023 at some point. We'll keep our our churches posted about a good time that you guys can come here for a week or two, and and we would love to serve you guys and and take you around and and treat you with good hospitality. And um, we hope that in return, some of our churches would would go over and, and help with some of that refugee fatigue and um, help help serve alongside you there in the Czech Republic. So um, very good. Thank you guys so much for joining me on, on mission in five. Do you have anything else that, that you want to share with anybody? Yeah, of course we always ask for prayers for all the situations that they were in uh, safe travels and uh, maybe right now for the transition, um, yeah. especially also that ministry will remain in good hands and uh, the things, yeah, the things go well. So those are maybe our main issues okay. to pray for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, we will put all of your contact information in the show notes and, and ways for people to get a hold of you. We'll also link to your international ministries profile page so people could learn more about you and the ministries that, that you are doing. And we'll pray for, for your safe journeys back to the United States for furlough. We'll pray for the ministries that will be led by other people while you are away. Um, and we'll continue to pray for for the refugees from Ukraine as uh, different countries around Europe continue to absorb that movement. Um, thank you guys so much for being part of this podcast with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you for listening to Mission in 5, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you will be notified every time we produce a new episode, introducing you to another ministry practitioner or missionary engaging in God's mission in their unique context, whether it be in Nebraska, around the country, or somewhere else in the world. If you like the guests and the content, 
Take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your favorite streaming platform and share it with your friends and family on your larger social media networks. Check out the show notes for links and contact information to every single one of our guests and some current events and other links to news articles and things that might impact their mission and ministry. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes and feel free to support us by giving through PayPal on our abcnebraska.com website. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Talking heads on cable news shows pollute our discourse with vitriol. Social media bombards us with fake news, and even our churches are divided by partisan politics. I'm Brian Kaler, Editor-in-Chief at Word and & Way, and in a time like this, we need sources we can trust, like our award-winning email newsletter, A Public Witness. Learn more and subscribe today at publicwitness.wordandway.org.